Glenn Lama's with us. Well, Glenn, everyone was demanding a statement from the All Blacks against Italy. Did they deliver one? Welcome. Yeah, well, good morning, Catherine. Yes, I, I think they probably did, although I've got a theory when I see scorelines like this in rugby generally. 96-17 was the score, of course. Uh, says more about the team that uh, lost than the team that won because sometimes, as we've seen in past World Cups, uh, particularly the 2007 World Cup uh, too, Catherine, I remember the All Blacks thumping uh, Romania, not 96-17, but something similar. I think they got into the 70s in that game and then they lost in the quarterfinals to France that year. So... It's a bit of a mixed bag. I, I, I wouldn't say uh, I'm sitting here today thinking that they're going to go into that quarterfinal uh, in a couple of weeks any more in better shape now than they were uh, before this game against Italy. So it's really hard to tell. And of course, we're likely to get another cricket score again this weekend against Uruguay. Yeah, uh, it, it is hard to tell. And such different games. Um, as things are standing, who is the, the likely matchup going to be against when we get back um, to the you know this? Yeah, the, the real the real rugby. The, the, well, the, you know the, the teams who are going to push us. Is it looking like it will be Ireland? Yes, that's the way it's looking, isn't it? With Ireland beating South Africa uh, last weekend or the weekend before now, wasn't it? Um, it? It looks like we're going to play Ireland. The, I, I didn't think there was much in that game. I had a good look at that Ireland-South Africa game. It was Ireland won 13-7 in the end, but um, really there was very little between those two teams. Uh, and again, you, 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 it's so hard to tell at the moment because when South Africa beat New Zealand in that pre-World Cup match, thumped us. Uh, you know, were we, were we holding something back? Because when South Africa came to Auckland earlier on in the year, we thumped them. So it's, it's hard to know. But one thing we do know is that both teams will be giving it absolutely everything in, in 10 days' time when this quarterfinal rolls around. But it looks like it'll be New Zealand versus Ireland. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an epic game. But still ages away. Now, the Redfilly Shield, um, look, it's a damn shame, isn't it? Great win for Hawke's Bay. Great run for a, a, a great win for a... Uh, you know, a proud province to lift what is still um, a, a major kind of totem in the in the, in the um, provincial domestic game, and then it all turns to custard. Really, I mean, yeah, yeah, disappointing, wasn't it? I mean, really, we really can't say much about this uh, incident at all. Although, um, you know, what the Hawks Bay team is claiming that someone dropped the shield on the on a concrete floor, Catherine, is quite interesting. But snapped in two. I mean, I mean. Uh, uh, what sort of wood was on the bit? What sort of wood were they using? I mean, it obviously was pretty weak wood if someone just dropped it onto a concrete floor because I've dropped things onto concrete floors, I'm sure you've had, and nothing's happened. So, um, I don't know, maybe there's something fishy going on behind the scenes. wouldn't surprise me given what's emerged over the last uh, few days. But, yes, it is very sad. But um, what can the rugby union do about it, Catherine? Not much other than get the shield back, repair it, start again, and, and move on. And, that, and that's really about it. But, you know, uh, the shield, if, if, it had a, if it had some eyes, ears, and a, and a mouth, boy, the stories it could tell down through the years about teams and the, how they celebrated winning it, it would be... Mate, that would be longer than the Nelson Mandela's book, Long Walk to Freedom, wouldn't it? It would be an amazing um, uh, story if that uh, if that was able to be captured uh, captured by someone down the track. Yeah, look, so a few questions to be asked about how the celebrations went, and as we know, someone's now, um, I understand, been a, a allegedly done for drunk driving that night. So you do come back. These are young men, uh, most of them, not all of them, and you do come back and wonder how the old team culture's going and who's keeping an eye on whom. I know you can't babysit them, but that's right. anyway, some questions uh, for the union to ask itself, um, and uh, that's about where we'll leave it, really. I, don't know what else I think to say. so, yeah. Um, yeah, well, especially with someone before the courts, no doubt about that, yeah. The NRL Grand Final, 
And, uh, you know, great season for the Warriors. We've said that many times. Fans had to let go of the idea of the final. How did it go in the end for the sides that didn't participate? It was a ripper, yeah? Yeah, it was. It was fantastic. It was one of the better grand finals that uh, has been in recent memory, and I, I think it's probably the best one since the, the Cowboys beat the Broncos in Golden Point a few years ago when Jonathan Thurston kicked that amazing field goal to win. This one here between the Panthers and the Broncos, Penrith won 26 uh, points to 24. Uh, they were down 24-8 with about 20 minutes to play, so an amazing comeback by the Panthers. I thought when Brisbane scored their last try, what, what ended up being their last try of the game, I thought the game was done, uh, and Brisbane were rightly going to be crowned the champions, but uh, you can never count Penrith out. Uh, and it was just a wonderful spectacle of not only rugby league, I thought, um, Catherine, but sport full stop. It just had everything that you want in a, in a top-level sports event. Two teams uh, just giving absolutely everything. The error rate was extremely low. The tries scored were fantastic. Uh, the atmosphere was brilliant with a full house there of 80-odd thousand in there. It was just everything you want in a sporting contest. So, uh well done to both teams and well done to the NRL for a wonderful climax to the season. Very good to hear. Uh, let's have a look at the Cricket World Cup and Kane Williamson. We all wondered if he'd be in action. Well, yes, he is. Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, I've, I've got to say, I thought, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone, all cricket fans in New Zealand are very excited about Kane Williamson now not only playing in one pre-World Cup match, but now two, and he actually got out in the the field for the second one as well, which uh, of course is, you know, is is the ultimate test really of his knee, uh, which he with the ACL he ruptured uh, around six or seven months ago in India now. So the fact that he could get through, you know, a, a period of time in the field without hopefully much discomfort, then that all bodes well for the World Cup, which starts on Thursday night against England. Uh, so now Kane Williamson's not going to play this game. They're, they're going to ease him in and hopefully build him into uh, the tournament as as it stands as as we go through the tournament over the next few weeks. So, you know, but great to have our best player there. We're going to need him. And the really ex- encouraging thing is that New Zealand's won both of their warm-up games, albeit won by the Duckworth-Lewis system because of a bit of rain overnight against the South Africans. But they beat Pakistan in a, in a high-scoring match the other day. So I think the signs are, are looking fairly solid at the moment that, um, you know, the Black Caps, after some mixed form recently, uh, might be quite competitive at this World Cup. So uh, two giants of the sport there, those two sides. Uh, what are some of the highlights out of those matches? Uh, it was a good score uh, run up against South Africa. Yeah, who was batting well? Yeah, look, it was a very good performance. New Zealand scored 321 for six in the 50 overs. So that's a big score. And Devin Conway uh, got 78. Tom Latham got a half century as well. And there were good contributions from Williamson himself with 37. And Glenn Phillips batted well again, 43 from 40 balls. So, you know, the and they also scored heavily in the other game against Pakistan as well, where they chased down the victory there, Catherine. So, uh, you know, in past World Cups on the subcontinent, we've seen very high scores. Looks like we're going to get them again. And uh, the fact that New Zealand could get over 300 in both these warm-up games, I think, is a, is a positive sign. Might not be one for the bowlers, though, Catherine, um, this, uh, this World Cup. Oh, but you never know. They're always know. hard uh, done by. They're always hard done by. Uh, yeah, all the work, Trent get none of the thanks. Okay. <laughs> okay. we got Trent Bolton in the team this time, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, now, uh, the Silver Ferns, uh, just as well they won again. Uh, we, were, we were talking... Um, uh, a few days back about the humiliation, really, of lambasting England for sending us a, a B team and then the B team beats us. But uh, there's still a bit of a worry over how the Ferns are performing. Yeah, look, I think both teams seem to be in a transition kind of mode at the moment, don't they? I mean, we've 
trying to see Dom, name, uh, Dom, uh, Dame Nolan Toto is, is trying to ease a few new players into the team at the moment. The latest being Amelia Wormsley, uh, a, a young goal shoot. I don't think she's even 20 years of age yet. So it's good to see there, there, you know, that the team is, team is building for the future. Well, England are clearly building for the future, having sent a, a kind of a, de- a developing team over, the, over here. But it's a bit of a shame, isn't it, that both, uh, that both teams didn't go out there with their top lineups. Uh, although maybe New Zealand's lineup was their top line, as it turned out. But at least you're right. I, I totally agree with you. That humiliation of that first loss was not good. Good to see the Ferns bouncing back to win uh, the series 2-1 and maybe not by the convincing margins. But we, we have to acknowledge the, the rise of English netball over the over the last 10 years too, Catherine. I mean, they've invested uh, millions of pounds into their programme and we've seen results from England that have um, have been f- have far in excess of what they've achieved, You know, uh, you know, going back before that time. So there that a young team shooter England. you mentioned yeah. uh, shooting forty yeah. for forty four. That's good to see because I still think we're stuff, uh, yeah. suffering from the Irene Van Dyke kind of legacy. Uh, uh, yeah, well, Grayson Wecky has come through, mm-hmm. so she's a, she's a very good shooter, and now we seem to have another one. But both of those players are going to be tested because coming up shortly, uh, the Aussies are waiting again, and um, we've got the Constellation Cup coming up, and that is not going to be easy because, of course, the, the Australians won the World Championship Look, again it's, this year. It's not just the shooting accuracy; it's 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 how uh, that circle works. With the, with the feeders, right? Um, and that's where, with Van Dijk, it just seemed to be everyone knew what they were doing. And we've seen a little bit less clarity uh, in some of these recent matches out of the circle. But they've got to bring the talent through. You've got to build them. You've got to give them the experience. So uh, we'll just hope that's all heading in a better direction. Hey, thank you very much for your time. Glenn Lama.